You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. start a new series on worship. It was actually when I uh, became a senior pastor of a church previously, I, I went through and, I, and I, I prayed about it. I felt, Lord, what are the, the key things you, that you feel are the most important things the church must know immediately? And the first series that God gave me was on this. It was on worship. And I wanted to share that with you because I have seen the most amazing demonstrations of the power of God through worship. And some of you, you have made a decision for Jesus. You chose him. And you've never gone any further. Some of you look at the hands of people raised and you think, what's with these people? And some of you, I know because I've been there. I was one of them. And you may, you know, you may be shaking your head, hear these guys, come on, come on. You know, I think, oh, who are these guys? Just shut up, you know. I love them. And as a worship leader, you will love them because when you look out in a crowd, you get all sorts going on. I see, you know, hands crossed. I see people looking on their phones, and I, this is the thing. I've been a worship leader. I was a worship pastor for many years, and I've seen it. I've seen it all. People on their phones, people talking, and, and you're there just breaking your heart before Jesus. And I, and I say to our team, and I say to all of you, Smith Wigglesworth used to say, if God isn't moving in a service, I'm going to ask him, you know, light me on fire so the world can turn and see me burn. You need to burn for Jesus. You know, if, you, if your heart's grown cold, and you barely know him, this is a time to get on fire again. This church, you'll find fire. But you've got to be honest with yourself. You can't keep playing the piddly games of what you call Christianity. Jesus never called you to be a Christian. <gasps> Surprise. He called you to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, learning all about his ways. At this church, we're not, being, we're not calling you to be Christians. We're calling you to be disciples. Can I get a bit more fallback? Thanks, Ben. And uh, if I can go to this, if you can turn to the screens now, I've got a little video I want to show you as I start the series. Tap the person next to you and say, I think I saw you in the film. <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's like at this church, I've got to tell you, we just want to live life live, okay? Let's just be real. Just take off the masks. Be who you are. If you're sad, okay, you don't have to put on them. We do sometimes because we've got to encourage you. Jesus is good all the time. But it's a, it's a step of faith we do. But sometimes, you know, when you're so broken, don't put the mask on. Just be yourself. You know, if you don't understand worship, I'm hoping that through this uh, series, I might be able to unpack some things for you to understand. And why do people raise their hands? Really? Why, why are they doing this? Right? <laughs> Maybe they just got an itch over here. <laughs> That's right. He's doing the, I'm carrying the TV halfway, you know, kind of move. You know, I don't want to put my hands up. They'll think I'm a real lunatic, you know, for Jesus. They don't want to let them know that. So I'll just go down here and I'm going to carry the television set. Others like, yep, I give up. You caught me. <laughs> the other's like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. You know, so I don't know how you worship, but I'm hoping that through the series, we can set you free. That's what this is about. Jesus, have a real, have a real and genuine relationship with Jesus. Can we keep it real, folks? No more playing the games. No more doing these kind of crazy songs. I exalt me. Come on. You know, 
if you were if you've been in church long enough, you would recognize those songs and you probably sang them and you were probably thinking the same thing. But you know, I, I sort of asked that question as well. You know, what is, and that's the title of the message today, what is the role of music in worship? You know, we, when we say music, immediately your thoughts go to, especially the worship team, if I can ever holler, holler out from the worship team. When we say worship music, you're thinking what? The slow songs, am I right? And then we're doing fast songs, we say, those are the praise songs. Aren't they all worship to Jesus anyway? And we're trying to break in this church a mentality that's been in not just Live City Church, in the church for so long. I really would rather you understand true worship and do that than to go through the motions of pretending and feeling that you are, I've, I've got to do this because they're going to find out I don't actually worship Jesus during the week or something. I'm going to hide myself. Again, I, I'm sharing my heart because I've been all those things. I've, I was an atheist at one point too, so look, hey, I get it. I've been there. There's nothing you can do or have, are doing that I haven't done before, okay? Preaching to me at different stages of my life, but I hope that what I've experienced I can share with you. Uh, while I begin this morning, I'd like you to turn to the uh, 1 Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 46. Can I ask a huge favor of you guys? Can you take one uh, in the front row? Just take one seat over here. I'm going to give Sophie a chair. Poor soul. She's, 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 she's tied to Talia. She can't move, and she's on the floor. Have a seat, baby. It's okay. We got you. <laughs> Family church. It's so great seeing the youth and young adults in the front rows occupying the place. Take it, seeing them take the worship this morning, you know, trying to do almost got there. We're working on hopefully after the series, you know, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So everyone turning to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, I'll give you permission just this once to take open your smartphone and go to your browser and just type in Bible 1 Chronicles 16, 4 to 6, and it will pop up actually on your browser. You don't even need a Bible app. So we, we saw through this particular video, it was music and worship. But the question is, why is music such a big part of the worship experience? Because I want to make a big statement to you, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. Music is not worship. I know. There's rap music, there's, you know, there's reggae music, there's all kinds of crazy music, there's stuff, there's genres of music that I never grew up, in the 80s, man, we haven't heard of this stuff, but there's all kinds of, I thought we had a lot in my time, you know, back, back in the 50s, what was it, just rock and roll, hillbilly, you know, bit, bit of gospel, I'm, I'm, you're my age, actually, never mind, I gotta go a little bit older, anyone older over the age of 50, someone here, okay, never mind, no one's gonna own up to it, fine, I'll be the old guy. Okay, music is not worship, but music can be used for worship. Okay, it's just a tool. These guys are helping you to worship. That's, that's all their job is. And I see them with a full weight of trying to lead a congregation of people who don't know how to worship. Maybe that's what I'm putting it down to. A lot of people don't know how to worship or others refuse to worship. I don't know what your deal is with God, and I hope that you get it right. You're in the right place. We've all been there. You know, come and talk to me. Don't, don't be a stranger with it. If you're really struggling, you're wrestling with this, come and talk to me. But these guys, they set themselves on fire every week. They attempted something this morning. Didn't quite work out. The way that they were imagining in a stadium, 
I know what you're talking about. It's okay. I would have used a different kind of song. God gave rock and roll to you. Gave rock and roll to you. Put it in the soul of everyone. Sing it out. God gave rock and roll to you. Gave rock and roll to you. Put it in the soul of everyone. Thank you, girls. A little bit slow, but that's okay. We started. We are doing worship after all in music worship. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Bapa. I love you, man. <laughs> okay, let's read this together. And you'll just see the heart of David, who is mapping out what was to come over several periods of time in Israel's history to bring the, pe- the heart of the people back to God. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 4 to 6 says, He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to make petition, that's the prayer requests, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was a chief, Zechariah second, then Jael, Shemaramath, Jehiel, Matiathia, Eliab, Benaiah, Obed-Edom, and Jael. They were to play the lyres and harps. Everyone say piano and guitar. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. Everyone say drums. And Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets. Everyone say trumpets. That's just all it was. Blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. The singers and musicians, look at this. And just in the next, uh, I want you to go to 1 Chronicles, same chapter. Uh, sorry, same uh, book, chapter 9, turn backwards, verse 33. They were so serious about these jobs. I want you to understand this, that it's written very clearly what the job of musicians and singers were. Remember, they're Levites, they're priests, but they're appointed to do this. 1 Chronicles 9.33. Those who were musicians, heads of Levite families, stayed in the rooms of the temple and were exempt from other duties because they were responsible for the work. What work? Music worship, day and night. We're talking about 24-7 worship. In the time of, not David, he wasn't allowed to build a temple, but he, he wrote this down. He said, Solomon, follow my plans. Uh, David gave away the equivalent, I'm trying to remember the amount. It was like it, the tens of billions of dollars is what he gave to his son Solomon. Use this to build the temple of our God. He will be known as the greatest God on the planet. And so David gave of his wealth, pretty much his entire wealth, to build the temple of God. And he paid these priests. The tithes and the offerings were paid for the priests to do this one job, to sing, worship, make petition and request, worship God 24-7. At the temple of Israel, at that time, in Solomon's time, there was someone praying at 2 o'clock in the morning. There was someone praying at 7 p.m. at night. At any time of day, there was somebody praying in the temple. Uh, altogether... There were 4,000 musicians and 288 singers paid to do one thing, worship God through music. So my question to you is, is music an important part of worship? Your answer is yes, but music is not worship. It's what you make it become. I want you to turn with me, same chapter, uh, same book, 1 Chronicles 23 now. 1 Chronicles 23 and look at verse 5. A lot of scripture today, isn't there? You can use your phone. You're welcome. 1, Chron- <laughs> 1 Chronicles 23 and verse 5. The Bible says, 
4,000 are to be gatekeepers, but listen to the next bit. And 4,000 are to praise the Lord with musical instruments I have provided for that purpose. 4,000 musicians. How many musos would like to be paid just to play music the rest of your life? There you go, 24-7. You know, imagine if that could happen. 1 Chronicles 25, verse 7. This will be great for our singers. 1 Chronicles 25, verse 7. So the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord all who were skillful, you couldn't be a hack, you had to be a professional, was 288. 288 singers. That's all they did was sing. Now, just I'm trying to build a case for you to understand how important worship music is. It's very important I, I describe worship music, not just music. Worship music. So the Bible tells us that Solomon brought a peace, uh, uh, an, an age of peace to Israel such as never been seen before. There was peace over the entire nation of Israel. The Bible tells us no nation would raise itself against Solomon in his time. Now Solomon was not a fighter. He was a wise man. They actually came to him cap in hand with gifts given to him to listen to his wisdom. There was never going to be war in the time of Solomon. But then the people of God... They forgot who he was, and they did their own things. They went their own ways. They got busy with work. They got busy with career. They got busy with wealth. They got busy with getting married. They got busy with life. Does this sound familiar to you at all? In their busyness, they forgot about God because God blessed them. That was the deal. If you worship me and you serve me, I will bless the fruit of your hands. But what happened was they got so blessed, they forgot about their God. And they went about the business just trying to expand, increase more and more. And so God began to raise up reformers who brought the people of God back to him. And in order to do that, they instigated that 24-7 worship. So if you're taking notes, here is. The first one was Jehoshaphat in 870 B.C. You'll find that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Okay, so you'll find that. Jehoiada in 835 B.C., not too far away. They fell away from God again. So God raised up someone else. He brought them back to God and instigated 24-7 worship. Second Chronicles 23, verse 18. Hezekiah, in his time, 725 B.C., 100 years later, they fell away again. He had to bring them back. Second Chronicles 29, verse 25 to 27. Then came Josiah in 625 B.C., again, one 100 years later, we're starting to see a pattern. Second Chronicles 35, verses 3 to 15. I know you're used to, to messages that are just stories, but sometimes i got to give you the word. Then there was Zerubbabel in 536 B.C. We're talking, is it around, yep, around 100 years again. Uh, that's found in Ezra chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. And finally, Ezra and Nehemiah together in 445 B.C., again close to 100 years later in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 24 to 25. Why is worship so important? Worship music, let me add to that. Worship music so important that God, in his time of bringing revival to the land, would constantly bring worship music back. I'm, I'm speaking to you, I'm preaching to you because I'm trying to share what I feel is God's heart for you. That if you understand the importance and the place that worship has in your personal life and in the life of the church, when you come, you're, you are the church. And when you worship, you are doing crazy things in the spiritual atmosphere. Things are changing. Every time you are singing, things are changing. And we're going to start unpacking that today. So you've heard, some of you heard me share about this before, but I just wanted to do this in this uh, a place, this series on worship. Now, are you okay with turning the Bibles? 
cracking it up. I see some dust flying around with the books. That are, okay, just use it more. Revelation chapter 4, go there. <laughs> Love you, Pastor. Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. You see this picture where uh, John, the revelator, John, the apostle, John, uh, who was able to prophesy, was caught up into heaven. He was pulled up, and he's observing what he saw in heaven. This is a picture of what heaven looks like. Here's what it says. Revelation 4, verse 8 to 10. Each of the four living creatures, these are the angels closest to the throne room. I need you to understand. The presence of God is so powerful that even the created beings, the angels, are broken in awe of his presence. The glory of God is too much even for angels to to take, so that only certain ones are allowed to be closest to him. These are the closest to him, the cherubim. They actually have to have six wings on them, wings to close their eyes so so they're not blinded by the glory of God, wings to cover themselves, wings to cover their feet, so they're fully and totally covered by these wings so that they don't die as if an angel could die, but they would perish in the presence of God. That is how glorious he is. And then there's angels surrounding those angels around him who are protected by those angels. So even those angels need protection. So that's why they have these six wings. And it says they had eyes all around them so they can see everything, even under their wings. Day and night, they never stop saying. See that word never? What does that mean? Never. (laughs) Right? There's no theology there. Always. They are always singing. They never stop singing and saying 24-7, day and night. This is what they sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Thank you for that, Tanya. That is awesome. Listen to these words. Holy, holy, holy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're going to direct their prayers. God is one, but they sing three persons of God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was. He's always just existed. He is the uncreated one and is. He's right now in this present time, and he will be forever in the time to come. Whenever No one could be sung that song. It only belongs to God. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, how often do they sing? Day and night, <laughs> never stop. So think I don't know how this works in heaven. Day and night, they never stop singing. Whenever they sing, this is what happens. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay the crown down before the throne and they say, and they sing the song to him. The Bible, if you go on to read on, it talks about how all of heaven bows down. Now, if the, if the, if the angels, the cherubim, are singing this 24-7 for all the time, forever, and whenever they do, all the elders fall down, then everyone else in heaven falls down, sort of like a Mexican wave, <laughs> concentric circles going on, everyone worshiping. It's happening all the time in heaven. This picture of, of holy, you know, do you understand what the word holy means? Turn to the person next to you and say, do you, and ask him, do you know what the word holy means? If you do, just blink once at them. I tried this, and I asked people, what does the word holy mean? And they started to realize, I actually don't know what the word means. I just assumed that it's, holy is a holy word. <laughs> I mean, you'll define holy by holy, right? It's just a word that you use. What does it mean? Thank you. I looked this up for you. Welcome. The word in Hebrew is the word kadosh. 
Okay, kadosh has a deep meaning. According to this, it means sacred, holy, yeah, saint, set apart. I want you to focus on the words set apart. In Greek, it's used as the word hagios, and it means, this is so wild, an awful thing. What? That's not holy. That's what it says. Uh, kadosh means set apart. Hagios means an awful thing. Set apart, an awful thing. So if you think holy is just pleasant words to sing, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. That's not what they're singing. That's, that's not the, the, the context behind it. The context is the glory of God is being re- re- released in heaven. He's showing them a new fast. And remember, you and I are so finite, we think he's going to run out. There'll come an end to God showing his glory. No, remember, he's the uncreated one. He has no beginning. He has no end. He always existed. In your mind and my mind, that's impossible to believe because we live in time. There is a beginning and there will be an end of time. Your time and time on this planet. There is a beginning and an end. But he pre-existed any beginning, and he will go long before there's any end. Just think about that for a moment. So when he's showing a facet of glory that will never run out, a new facet, those four angels closest to him see it first, and they're broken. They're undone. They're singing, you, this is an awful thing. I'm about to be crushed by the glory of God. I can barely contain this and barely survive what I'm seeing right now. The glory of God is too much for me to bear. That word holy, what they're really saying is, you are so far beyond anything I could possibly comprehend. Your great I thought I understood it, but now you've exceeded every expectation I have ever had of you, O God. Your beauty exceeds everything else. Your goodness, O God, is difficult and impossible to describe. I will never understand your grace. I will never understand your mercy. That's what the word holy means. And all of heaven singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are too great. And they are feeling like they're about to rupture and break. And just before they think they're going to die again, and they can't die. They've got new bodies. They're raised up again. And they can resume until the angel starts to sing again. Holy, 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 God shows up. If you think heaven's going to be boring, you've got to think again. Imagine this God with such amazing glory that when he opens up a new facet, you are undone. And he can do that forever and ever and ever and ever. It will never end. This is not a picture of smiling angels calm and relaxed in the presence of God, but a picture of the awesomeness of God so powerful that those angels given direct access to him are so overcome by his goodness and glory that they cannot continue their normal duties, but they have to stop to sing to him. Holy, holy, holy. All of heaven stops. We on earth are supposed to reflect heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, so that you know which Father you're praying to, the one in heaven. Hallowed be your name, not the Father of lies. Hallowed be your name. (laughs) Your king dominion come, your will be done. Same thing, by the way. When the king's dominion has come, his will, what the king wants, the king gets. You understand? Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's one and the same thing. What is it? On earth as it is in heaven. It's a picture. So usually what we do is we pray for people who are sick because there's no sickness in heaven. We pray for people who are struggling with finances because there's no poverty in heaven. In fact, Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. What's that? Good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor. 
Oh, can I hear an amen for those who are struggling with finances? Oh, Jesus, you know. First world problems, you know, compared to third. Nonetheless, you know what I'm saying. Uh, oh, my goodness. Let me keep going. You guys okay? All right. Isaiah. So you, that was the New Testament, John the Revelator. Now let's go back to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. I want you to turn there, Isaiah chapter 6. I know there's a lot of book turning. I just want you to know, we really preach the Bible in this church, okay? We'll tell you stories. We'll give you illustrations. We've got a lot of humor. I love that. But we'll always use the Word of God so you know we don't make the stuff up. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 to 5. Isaiah also has this experience that John had. He also has this vision. And look, and let's just compare and see if they're similar. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. A human being who's allowed to see. He recorded his what he felt. John didn't do that. But it's a similar song, a similar story. Holy, 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 Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He's undone. And he's actually telling you what he's feeling. He's saying, I, you know, at this point, he's thinking, wow, I'm up in heaven with the angels. I must be all that, baby. And it comes to heaven. And the moment God reveals his glory and the voices of the cherubim are singing and everyone's worshiping, he realizes the sin in his life. I got to tell you, you know, if you're feeling you're a pretty sinful person in this church today, you've just joined the club. Welcome. Welcome. Turn to the person next to you and say, You're in the right place. Turn to the other person next to you and just say, Jesus forgives you. So do I. And do you forgive me? Okay? It's okay. It's okay. If you thought you came to a place and you barely belong here, everyone, you know, you're such a sinner, everyone's a saint. Yeah, no, no, not, not that kind of church. We're actually the real deal here. We're just people. Okay. So here's Isaiah, a prophet of God, who's, for all intents and purposes, doing everything right in the presence of God, everything he needs to do. He worships the Lord. And what happens is he's thinking he's pretty all that. And I felt like that too. I remember at one time in my life, I, I was feeling justified. The church had treated me unfairly. And I went to the right method, by the way. I didn't just talk to other people and gossip and, and try and spill you know, poison into the church. I didn't poison the church. I held it in. I talked to my wife. We prayed about it. And I felt pretty justified. You know, I talked to other leaders. That was okay. Other leaders are okay. And they felt, pretty, they felt right too. I was feeling pretty justified. So I went to go and see my mentor. And a man of God. And I began to tell him how I was feeling, what was going on. And I expected him to do the same thing as my friends did. Paul, it was so unfair. I can't believe they treated you that way. That is not right before Jesus. I'm so sorry for you. Instead, <laughs> that didn't happen to my mentor. My mentor said, yeah, that's just your pride talking. <sighs> Come again? <laughs> he was like, that really hurt. Ouch. And he says, that's your pride talking. You were thinking more of yourself than you ought. And you did not receive correction when it was given to you. He was right. And it was like a knife in my heart. I mean, it's still, correction hurt. I'm think, Praise the Lord for correction. Thank you. Thank you. You know, thank you, leaders. Thank you, pastor. Thank you so much. Thank you. I just pulled my knife up now. It always hurts. I get it. I had it. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I get it. But it was so, it's so good for us to be corrected. 
we correct because we love. We want you to become men, women of destiny that God has called you into. And so I, I can't, and I liken it like this. If you have a glass, I'm sorry this is not a, a clear glass. It's probably a bad illustration. But it looks clean when you're in a dark room, right? And when you compare yourself to other Christians, you're in a dark room. You're in a dark place, you know? Yes, we're people of light, but we're also living in darkness, right? And you try and compare yourself. I'm pretty good. I'm better than Aaron, Hannah's thinking, and Aaron's thinking, actually, I'm better than Hannah, or, or, or something like that, you know, and yeah, but I'm better than Sarah, but Sarah says, oh, but I'm better than, you know, we, we, we try, I'm so sorry, these girls are like angels, I, I never do anything wrong, is that okay? No. <laughs> so they're going for this one, but all of us have sinned, but we think when we measure ourselves against each other, we think we're okay, but when that glass is held up to, to God, to the presence of God, the Bible says God is light. Here's an interesting thing that they found in quantum physics, that if you, can, if you play music beyond the realm of human hearing, it actually begins to turn to light. Your worship is actually turning into light before God when it's the right worship. Can you imagine that? And as you hold this glass up to the light, every imperfection in this glass begins to show, and you'll see it, and you probably want, will not want to drink from that glass. That's what Isaiah's feeling. When he realized, and he's saying, whoa, he says, I'm a cursed man. I am done for. If this is my judgment day, it's over. I'm going to hell. It's, it's done. But thank God for life. As long as you live and breathe, as long as you can repent, say, God, forgive me, it's wiped away. There's going to come a day where Christians who've lived their whole life righteous before God, and you, you keep sinning, and you're the cyclical thing. You keep sinning. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. You did it again. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Do it again. At the end of time, just before the end of your life, and you repent before God, you got to make it. And those other people who are living right the whole time, they're like, how come he got in? I mean, he's just, you know, he's just sinning over and over and over. Yeah, but he loved me. He repented. <laughs> you know, this grace of God is something we just will not understand. Rick Warren, in his book, 40 Days of Purpose, talks about worship, and he writes about how people come to him. He's, a, he's got a church of 40,000 people. Just imagine 40,000 people going to your church. The worship in that place would be enormous. It would raise the hairs on the back of your neck as everyone is worshiping before the Lord. Well, people come up to him and say, Pastor Warren, wow, I enjoy the worship today. To which Pastor Warren will state to them, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but it wasn't for you. It was for him. Worship, my wife said this once, is about worth-ship. Is he worth it? I want to ask you today, when we come back next week and we worship, don't arrive at 9.35, 9.40, 9.45. We're not multi-service yet. 9.30 is when we start. Come early. Meet, meet the family. And when we come here, what if we created the most incredible explosion of worship that God himself cannot help but come down? The king's dominion comes and mixes with us. All kinds of crazy miracles that break out. You might get deliverance on that day when the church begins to worship. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've led worship times like that where people are so on fire and sometimes I have to bring their attention back. Hey, it's about him. Hey, it's about him. I'll stop everything. I'll embarrass myself if I have to. Hang on, hang on team. Let's just stop right there. Church, do we know what we're doing right now? We're entering into the presence of the great one. 
the uncreated one, the one where the angels closest to him are so undone. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. Let us not treat with contempt that which is holy. And then the presence of God comes into this place. I want to ask you, when you're singing, when you sang before, were you singing about the Lord? Because you read the words here. Or were you singing to the Lord? There's a difference. I want to ask you, what is the condition of your heart? What was the condition of your heart when that team began to sing and play? And remember, they're they're singing their guts out. They're trying to lead you. I want you to lead them. I want them to like to catch up with you because the worship goes crazy in this place and the presence of God comes. I want people, when they enter this place, to feel the tangible presence of God. They will feel the hair rise on their neck and realize, I've just entered the presence of God. The kingdom is here. Why don't we stand to our feet as I finish? Father, we are a people. who need to see more of you. We thank you for the God of salvation that we met at that very special time in our lives when we needed you, we felt so lost, and you came and you rescued us. But we need a further, and we need a greater revelation that Isaiah and that John the Revelator and the angels and the elders in heaven are all experiencing right now. You said, Jesus, to pray on earth as in heaven. We're praying right now that the worship at Live City Church, corporately and individually, would become like heaven. Lord God, until the atmosphere around us begins to shift and change, and people can tell that the presence of God is all around us because we brought it with us. Father, I pray this is a church that will bring it, and will bring it next week. They will bring it in their connect groups. They will bring it to their workplaces. They will bring it to the universities, Lord God. I just pray, Father, that this year will be the year of the breakout of the power of the Holy Spirit over this church. That when people come into this church, they will sense the very awe and the presence of God. That signs and wonders, healings and miracles will be regular and commonplace in this church, O God. I pray that those who've never seen miracles before will begin to come like us. The people of Israel in the time of Solomon, the Bible says, gold and silver was as common as stones. Miracles, healing, signs and wonders will be common as stones in this church. Father, today, let this be the day of new beginnings across this church. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.